Well, we're going to talk today about fear. Fear. And uh, there are few things in life that strike fear and to terror into us today, like uh, President Donald Trump. Uh, and I'm doing equal sides, or equally as scary, President Hillary Clinton. Uh, but let's move quickly now to the definition of fear. Uh, I figured tick, them, tick both sides off equally and, you know, it'll be okay. Uh, here's the definition of fear. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or be a threat. That's fear. Okay? So since this is uh, all about polling today, let's do a little poll today in the church family. How many of you uh, honestly are kind of afraid of snakes? Can I see your hands? Yes. Looks like a majority. Okay. Uh, right behind snakes tends to be how many of you are afraid of spiders? Can I see? Big, hairy spider. So, Brant, you don't mind the spiders, but you don't care for the snakes. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't include in my poll, my, my biggest fear is bats, because that's like a flying rat. Uh, so in my mind, bats are like the biggest thing. Okay, how many of you are fearful or you'd say, I'm kind of afraid of the thought of me dying? Any, anybody afraid of dying? You can admit it, this is church. Yeah, okay. Uh, how many of you are more afraid of a loved one dying? That scares you more. Yeah, that's usually the case. Uh, do you ever get into the idea of how you might die? Uh, how many of you, uh, the thought of dying in a fire, that's kind of scary to you? Okay, that's my hand there too, okay? Um, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me right now to Daniel chapter uh, 3, because uh, this is one of my very favorite scenes in the Bible, and it's one of those fears about fire. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar built a 90-foot tall idol, and uh, he decided that everyone will worship that idol, demanded, not suggested. So uh, when the uh, Billy Idol music played, Daniel 3, 5, uh, there were three young Jewish men, Shadrach, Meshach, what's the last guy's name? Abednego. They refused to play the game. They weren't going to worship Neb's idol. Uh, Nebi is enraged. Do you recall that? And he calls them in. He said, okay, boys, give you one last chance play the idol two and one more, better fall down and worship or it's going to be bad for you. It's going to be real bad. Daniel 3.16, uh, here's the answer that I think is powerful. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Verse 17, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He's got the power. He could do it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. This is where it gets pretty, really, I love it, verse 18. But even if he chooses not to, we want you to know, your majesty, very polite, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. <laughs> even, even if we're burned up in the fire, we just want you to know we're still not going to bow down and, and play your idolatrous game. So King Nebuchadnezzar is furious. What does he say? Hey, turn up the furnace as hot as it'll get. I know we've had it up to 550. Turn it up seven times hotter than it's ever. Turn it up to 3,500 degrees, okay? Uh, and then 
in verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar is looking to the fire and he asks, uh, didn't we throw three into the fire? Uh, and then he says, uh, verse 25, I see four men and they're walking around in the fire and one looks like the Son of God. So here's my question, you ready? Who showed up in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Looked like the Son of God. Who was it who showed up in the fire? And the answer is, I, I believe it's Jesus. I, I believe this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus right there. Uh, why? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they needed Jesus to show up. But I think it's more than that. Jesus needed to show up to show Nebuchadnezzar, hey, you think you're the big shot king of the world? Just want you to know, I'm the capital G God. I'm the one who deserves to be worshipped. Okay? Last week, we were uh, in Genesis chapter 32. So take your Bibles and turn there. Uh, and who showed up to wrestle with Jacob and blessed Jacob? Uh, remember what uh, Pastor Jason said? Who was it who showed up middle of the night, wrestles Jacob all night long? And the answer is, he, he said, I, I listened to, to the tape, he, he said Jesus showed up, and I agree with him. I think this is, again, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, and he wrestled with Jacob, and he blessed Jacob, and then in the wrestling match, what happened to, to Jacob? He was what? He was blessed with a limp. Yeah, yeah, he touched his, his hip, and uh, he was limping for the rest of his life. Why? Remind Jacob, you don't forget this night. I want you to remember this night when you surrendered to me. Jesus showed up to remind him, and he'd remember, but also to prepare Jacob for Genesis chapter 33. Okay? And that's where we're going to go today. We're going to look at Genesis 33. It was the middle of the night, and they had this wrestling match. Well, the next day is chapter 33. So today we're going to have front row seats to watch Jacob limp toward his greatest fear. Any guesses? What do you think Jacob's greatest fear was? Uh, his brother Esau, right. Uh, his greatest fear, he's going to limp towards being once again in the presence of his brother Esau. If you go back to Genesis 27, uh, here's what I'm sure was ringing in his ear uh, as he's limping towards his brother. Verse 41, Genesis 27. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah, mother, was told what her oldest son had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, uh, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother, your uncle Laban in Haran. So it's been 20 years. 20 years since these words were said. And, and Easter, Esau's uh, life has had 20 years to fester, and the grudge now was poisonous. And uh, Genesis 33 and verse 1 says this, Jacob looked up, 
And there was Esau coming at him with 400 men. Okay? So he's remembering and playing back what he remembers last at home. And now he looks up and there is his brother with 400 men. How could Jacob limp toward Esau knowing that Esau likely was going to kill him? That's the question of the morning. How could he do it? How could he just march straight toward his greatest fear and look it square in the eye knowing that he probably was going to die as he marched up to his older brother? Let's stand together. Let's uh, see how he does it and how he's able to march. We're Genesis chapter 33, verses 1 to 17. Esau had brought an army of 400 men, and it's not looking good for little brother Jacob. 33.1, would you read with me? Let's read together. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the woman and children. Who are these with you, he asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all, Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, What's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob, if I found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you've received me favorably. Please accept the present that was brought to you. For God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Then Esau said, let us be on our way. I'll accompany you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are tender, and I must care for the ewes and cows that are nursing their young. If they're driven hard just one day, all the animals will die. So let my Lord go on ahead of his servant, while I move along slowly at the pace of the flocks and herds before me, and the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord and serve. Esau said, Then let me leave some of my men with you. But why do that? Jacob asked. Just let me find favor in the eyes of my Lord. So that day, Esau started on his way back to Seir. Jacob, however, went to Sukkoth, where he built a place for himself and made shelters for his livestock. This is why the place is called pray together. Lord, uh, thank you for uh, recording this episode of fear for each of us here today. Because the truth is, Lord, 2016, we live in fear-filled times. 
The world around us, Lord, is changing quickly, and it seems like things to be afraid of are popping up all around us. So would you teach us today from your book how to survive in a scary world as your children? Teach us from your word, Lord, what you would have us to do in response to circumstances and situations that are hard and difficult and dangerous. Uh, Lord, some of my friends standing right now are right in the middle of a fearful situation. I know that to be the case. So, Lord, uh, would you show us what to do when scary circumstances land in our laps? And, Lord, would you show those who are, are facing a major fear right now what to do? We invite your Holy Spirit to take charge today in your church. We're asking that the power of your spirit and the power of your word might rule and reign in your church, in this church family even right now. And all those in the church family at Walloon Lake said with one courageous voice, Question, how could Jacob limp toward his brother Esau knowing that big brother was very possibly going to murder him with a knife or a sword and then likely go on to slaughter his wives and his children? How could he do it? How could he march forward knowing that he probably was going to die? And in case you think I'm exaggerating, I think every commentator I read said that they believe, and it looked like Esau had every intention of getting revenge, taking revenge on Jacob and his family. That's why he showed up with 400 men. You don't need 400 guys if you're just going to go and make peace. But if your intention is to go and do harm and do damage, you take a large group of people with you and, and you make sure that you're going to win, that you're going to be able to act out on your revenge, your 20-year grudge. So I'm going to ask the question again. So how could Jacob keep walking towards Esau? How, how was he able? Why was he able to limp out to Esau with such courage and boldness. Go back to chapter 32. I want to show you something. Verse 11. Uh, last week, uh, looked at it. Verse 11, Jacob had already prayed, Lord, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid that he will come and attack me, and he'll also attack the mothers, my wives, and my children. Here's what he's saying. Lord, I'm afraid, and I'm pretty sure that Esau's had 20 years, and now he's only angrier, and now he wants revenge even more. I'm pretty sure he's going to murder me and then slaughter my wives and my children. Look at the next verse, verse 12. But uh, you've told me, Lord, that I'm going to prosper, and I'm going to have numerous descendants throughout the world. So I'm a little confused. You've told me to go home, and I know Esau is going to be waiting there, but you've said you're going to prosper me. And then, after the wrestling match with Jesus, here's what Jacob says. Slide down to verse 30. 
uh, it says, I saw God face to face and my life was spared. Are you tracking that? Jesus was with Jacob. Jesus made promises to Jacob. Jacob limped straight toward his greatest fear, which was what? Esau. And he did that, why? Because he believed the promises of Jesus. I think he was a little confused. I'm not sure how you're going to work this all out, Lord, but it's pretty clear you've made promises, and you're going to bless me, and I'm going to have numerous descendants. So he believed that Jesus was going to work it all out. Not sure how, but I believe you're going to do it, and, and, I, and I'm going to trust you. Listen, the Lord gave Jacob the faith and the peace he needed to face his greatest fear. He looked his greatest fear square in the face, and his greatest fear was the face of his older brother Esau. Now, before we go any further, I want to remind you of a verse that Jesus spoke to his followers. Okay, Jesus was going to send out the 12, recall? He's going to say, now go do a little practice. You go out and, and you go minister and uh, spread the kingdom news about me. And here's what he says, uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Now go out and minister and remember this. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Let that, vo that verse soak in a bit, okay? Don't be afraid of people who can just kill you, okay? Be afraid of the one who can destroy your body and your soul in the place of judgment in hell. And it's like Jacob, Israel, his new name, was saying here, Lord, you've called me back home. My brother's now standing in the way of going home. You've told me to go home. You've made promises to me. Um, my greatest fear is not going to be Esau. It's going to be not obeying you. Make sense? I, I'm, I believe that you've called me to do this, so my greatest fear is not any longer Esau. It's going to be in disobeying what you've made so clear. So I, I'm going to fear you more than Esau. Now go back to the text, chapter 33. Jacob puts his servant wives in the front. Okay, uh, And remember now, the kids are older. Okay? So this isn't like little children. These are bigger kids. Reuben, we know, was out harvesting plants and bring them home. Uh, so we're talking young men here, Billa and Zilpah and their children. Uh, and then he puts Leah and her children next. And then who does he put in the rear? His favorite, uh, Rachel and Joseph. So if things go south, and Esau's men start doing the worst, slaughtering the servant wives and children, maybe, just maybe, Rachel and Joseph can run for their lives and live. Okay? Do, you, do you think the children out front noticed where they got placed? Do, do you suppose the wives noticed where they were placed as they went to face Jacob's fear? Um, is it any wonder why Jacob's brothers hated him? I mean, they, they knew what the lineup was all about. 
They knew why you are the guinea pigs here. And if anybody is going to be the slaughtered ones, it's going to be us. And you put your favorite one there in the back. Okay? Verse 4 is the stunner. This is, and if you've never read Genesis 33, this is like one of the happiest verses in the Bible. It says, But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him, and he threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him, and he wept. Isn't that an amazing verse? Okay. Got the picture in your head? Hope you do. Big, burly, hairy Esau, 400 of his beefiest men, uh, with him, runs towards Jacob, and every so often, what's Jacob doing? He's bowing down to his brother. You're the man, Esau, seven times. You're the man, Esau. And he runs right by Billa and Zilpah's family, runs right by Leah and her children. And notice, look at verse 4. I want you to see it. Uh, with grace and forgiveness and love, he literally tackles and gushes over his little brother. He, he shows God's grace and forgiveness as he gushes. And God's grace in the form of a hostile, hating brother has now been replaced with hugs and kisses. And Jacob just now enjoys the unexpected grace of a loving and forgiving brother. That, that's a wonderful verse. It really is. Uh, didn't expect it. Didn't see it coming. Okay? Uh, in Genesis 32, I want you to understand... Uh, in the wrestling match with God, Jesus changes Jacob's heart. Remember that? He, he wrestles him, and now Jacob surrenders to the Lord, and face-to-face -face is strengthened. In Genesis 33, God works a miracle in Esau's heart. I wish we knew more about it. I really do. I tell you, go over the details with you. But somehow, the Lord changed Esau's heart. It seems... When he left, took 400 men, revenge. And at some point, by the time he sees his little brother, he's a broken man, and now forgiveness and love and restoration is what happens. And instead of killing Jacob, he's what? He's kissing Jacob. So it's like, whoa, how, how did that happen? Th that, the only explanation for that is God. Instead of slaughtering his wives and children, he's saying, introduce me. Here, here's, here's my son, and here's my other wife, and, and here's my other wife. That's part of the problem. He should have just said, here's my wife. Stop there. But anyway, the same Jesus who humbled Jacob the night before, that same Jesus had been working on Esau's heart as well. Slide down to verse 10. Okay? There's a, a lot of detail there, but I, I just want to hit a couple of the highlights. Jacob's trying to get Esau to accept his gifts, and he says to Esau, For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you've received me favorably, now that you've not killed me, now that you've accepted my bribes, it's like seeing the face of God. So is he saying, Esau, your face looks just like the guy I was wrestling with last night's face. Is he saying, Esau, you look a lot like Jesus. Is that what he's saying? No. He's saying, when I see your tear-stained, smiling, forgiving face, Esau, I'm seeing the face of God's grace in you. Understand? I'm seeing God's smiling face in you, and I'm blessed to be looking into the face 
of God's grace. Now, pause, just a little extra, okay? Um, no charge for this part, okay? Most commentators believe, and I think I agree, that this is uh, maybe the inspiration and what Jesus was thinking about when he told the story of the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son was far away and he comes home and he's fearful, will the father accept me? And the father does what? Comes running and embraces him and kisses him and so excited to see him. Most commentators think that this is the inspiration for that where uh, Jacob's limping back in fear and Esau comes running to hug and kiss and welcome him back. Now the end is kind of interesting. Esau says, why don't you come to my house? Why don't you come and stay for a while? And Jacob seems to say, yeah, but maybe later. Uh, I got some young animals and I got some young children here. And Esau heads south to his house and Jacob travels northeast to the land of promise. It's not recorded, it's not recorded that they ever were together again until their father Isaac's funeral. And there's kind of some debate, okay? Uh, and some say that Jacob was being deceitful here again and that he really never intended. And others say, no, they were just being polite and that was how they did it. Yeah, I'll come later with the idea being maybe later, maybe not. Anyway, the next time Scripture mentions them ever together is the last time Father Isaac's funeral in Genesis 35. Okay, so... When you and I are looking fear square in the face, 2016, when you and I, as a follower of Jesus, are looking at a scary situation, what are we to do? What can we learn from this? Okay? So if you're taking notes, you've got a space in your, in your bulletin. Why don't you grab your bulletin, okay? There's like this blank space, okay? You're here. You weathered the rain to get here, right? You know, drove through puddles. Andy drove over uh, trees to get here today. Uh, let's remember why you're here. Uh, what are we to do when we face fearful situations? Okay? First thing write down, the cure for Jacob's fear was grabbing a hold of Jesus. Genesis 32, what enabled him to face Esau, his greatest fear, square in the face, was the night before where he grabbed a hold of Jesus and he refused to let go. He said, you're all I got. Lord, you're, you're, and he just holds on to his foot there at the end. You're all I got. I'm not going to let go. Bless me. Bless me with courage. Bless me with boldness. Bless me with your promises. And today, some of us are in equally scary situations. Jesus, I've got this mole on my back, and it looks kind of funny. And, and, and they took a biopsy, and they've sent it away, and and Lord, what am I supposed to do? Or, or some of you are thinking, you know, I've been laid off and I'm not sure when I'm going back to work and we're down to our last paycheck. Or today, uh, you know, this Zika virus keeps inching its way north and, you know, I don't care for mosquitoes anyway, but, but what if it comes all the way up here and, and now we got to worry about Zika and the virus and, and babies and, uh, Lord, there's a downturn in the housing market, and I need to sell my house. Help! I'm scared. Um, I've got this child. I've got this grandchild, and they're wandered off. 
and they're living in really wild and sinful ways, Lord, help, I'm scared for them. I'm afraid of what might happen to this person that I love so much. Or, or you know, just a matter before ISIS gets here in the United States and now they blow something up again. You know, it seems like it's a regular occurrence. What do you do when your situation lands on your front step? Ready? Cry out and hold on to Jesus with all you've got. That's the answer. It's the answer for, for them here. Lord, I believe you're here with me right now, and I believe you'll walk through this situation with me, whatever I face. So, Jesus, I'm going to hold on tight to you. I would bring back Matthew 10, verse 28. Remember what Jesus said to the 12? I think he's saying to the church here at Walloon, uh, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Don't be afraid of every little thing that might cause your death but can't kill your soul. Make your greatest fear not living daily for me. Make your greatest fear not living daily and drifting and wandering away from Jesus. I'm telling you, if your greatest fear is, Lord, I'm afraid most, most of all, of drifting and wandering from you. That's my number one fear. You're on to something. You're, you're, you're moving towards dealing with fear. Now I hear people say, I'm afraid more than I've ever heard. And I'm tired and I'm discouraged. And I'm just too tired to come to church and worship and grow. That's a little bit like being too tired to take your prescription medicine so you can get well, right? I, I'm just too discouraged to join this, this Bible class or study or, or work hard. Um, that's a little bit um, like being too tired to pay your bills, and that's going to solve your problems. I, I can't, just can't write the check. Uh, okay, that can be a choice, but, but that's going to have even more ugly consequences, okay, that you're going to have to deal with. I'm too depressed to jump in and help out and, and use my gifts with Dorothy or here in the church body. Um, okay, but that's the answer. Give me your eyes. When, when you're discouraged and when you're worn out and you're afraid, the answer isn't to drift away from Jesus. What's the answer? To draw near and latch on and hold tight and join in to God's plan for today. What's God's plan for today? What's his tool to accomplish his kingdom purposes today? Anybody? What's his answer today? You're sitting in it, in it right now, at least where it meets. What is it? It's the church. God's plan today to keep us from discouragement and fear and distress is, is each other. Once a week, we gather, we worship Jesus we're with each other, and hopefully you're worshiping in a community small group too. But you got to remind yourself, no, no, this is what God's plan is to help me with my fear, with, with my discouragement, with my trouble. Um, here's what Jesus promised. You ready? You ready to be encouraged? Uh, John 16, 33. In this world, you will have fill in the blank. Okay. A few of you know it. Rest of you just heard the answer, okay? Here we go. In this world, you will, not maybe, you will have, what is it? But I like the rest of the verse. Don't stop there. But take heart. 
<laughs> but take heart. Don't be discouraged, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. Isn't that good news? Okay? It's going to be a trouble-filled world. But take heart. I'm the overcomer. If you're fearful, I'm the overcomer. If you're discouraged, I'm the overcomer. If you've just worn out, guess what Jesus is? He's the overcomer. I've overcome the world. I'm the answer. So, so don't wander away from me. Don't drift away from me. I'm your answer. I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced the world is getting filled with more and more and more trouble by the day. More and more things to be afraid of. More and more things to be discouraged about. Which means the ultimate solution for fear is what? Better get to the doctor and get that extra heavy dose of Xanax, right? That's the answer. Uh, no, the answer is I, I, I quit. I'm going to end it all. I, I'm, I'm going to commit suicide. That will be my answer. That's the route many are taking today. Or uh, wine, whiskey, and song. That's my answer, right? Give me your eyes. The only answer, the only solution to fear is a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to our fear and our struggle. More and more, like the more afraid I am, the more I'm holding tight. The more discouraged I am, Lord, the more I'm talking and listening to you. The more fearful I am, Lord, I'm, I'm in your book, I'm listening, I'm growing. And I'm certainly going to be a part of your plan to change the world today. I'm going to plug in even stronger to the church. You understand? I hear people saying, well, I'm just too tired, I'm too worn. No, no, that's exactly the opposite. No, plug in stronger. Get more involved with the family. Because we're family and we need each other. Amen? We, we, yeah, I'll give you another run at that, okay? We are the family and we need the encouragement and the care of one another. Amen? Christians who attempt to live without a local church are like spiritual hobos. If you're over 50, understand. Uh, if you're under 50, Christians who attempt to live without a local church are like homeless street people, okay? You'll understand that better. Um, here's the point. You've got no place to belong. You've got no support. You've got no, uh, nobody to hold on to and care for you, okay? If I'm going to be afraid of something, if I'm going to be afraid of something, I'm going to be afraid of not staying close to Jesus. If I'm going to be afraid of something, I'm going to be fearful of wandering and drifting away from the rock, the one who will get you through the hard times, the one who overcomes the world. Okay? The cure for Jacob's fear, listen, we're almost done, was Jesus showing up in his life. Think about it. The cure for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's furnace trouble was Jesus showing up in the fire. And the cure for my fear and your fear today is what? Is holding on tight to Jesus right in the middle of our trouble. Okay? The cure is the same. Jacob, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the cure is the same for us. It's Jesus. Hold on tight. And Lord, my greatest fear is not staying close to you. That's my greatest fear. That will help you defeat the other fears around you. Bow your heads.
Shut your eyes. Lord, uh, we confess that we live in scary times. But Lord, so did Jacob, and so did Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. And so did the twelve disciples, and so did the Apostle Paul. Lord, uh, scary times are not new to you. So Lord, we're grateful the solution for fear and being afraid is the same solution that you offer to us today. Lord, thank you that your solution is a person. It's God with skin on. We're grateful, Lord, that your answer for us is your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, that uh, he shows up right in the middle of our trouble. So, Lord, right now, uh, we just acknowledge that uh, trouble is all around us. Uh, trouble is lurking around the, the next corner for many of us. That's a reality. It, it's not that those things aren't dangerous and scary. The great truth is that your son Jesus is willing to show up and be right there for us, no matter what we're facing. So as we close, I just need to ask, anybody here right in the middle of some scary trouble uh, going on in your life or the people that you love? Anybody say, that's me. There, there's some scary situations. I'm the only one, I guess. Okay, yeah. Would you, would you say, Lord, I, that's me. You're talking to me. I, I got this, this circumstance going on, and it it's, it's, brings a lot of fear. Anybody else? I want to pray for you. I'd like to lead you in a prayer as we close. So if you didn't raise your hand, here's what you need to know. This is a practice prayer. Because I suspect uh, something's coming soon. Okay? And that's just because in this world, you're going to have trouble. And it's getting to be more and more trouble. So if you didn't raise your hand, this is a practice prayer. If you raised your hand, this is you right now. And uh, mean it with all you got. So would you just... I know this is awkward for some of you, but I'm just going to ask you, would you just lift up your hands to Jesus and say, I'm talking to you and I'm reaching out and I'm crying out for you and I'm, I'm grabbing a hold of you. So if you're willing, would you do that right now? Go ahead and just say, Jesus, I'm in the middle of trouble. Come on, nice and loud. Jesus, I'm in the middle of trouble. Uh, help me to take heart and help me to believe and trust you right now. And Lord, help me to hold on tight to you because I know that you've overcome the world. Give me courage right now, Lord, to face my fear square in the face, knowing you'll walk with me whatever comes my way. Help me to reach out to my church family. Help me to plug in even stronger because, Lord, I need their encouragement and I need their care and support. I pray right now for my friends here who are in the trouble zone. Lord, rain down good stuff. Give them the faith they need to hold on tight to you. And Lord, help us as a church family always to be on the lookout for those who need our love and care and encouragement. It's in the awesome name of Jesus Christ we pray.